when dad hit the beach at going up the beach, he took a piece of shrapnel that went all the way through his right calf and he went down and the medics came up to him and treated him. And they said, we're going to put you on a stretcher and send you back. He said, I am not going back across that water. This is Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Hi, and welcome to another episode. I'm Sensei Michelle. I'm Sensei Jackie. And I'm Landon. And today we're doing an interview and we are excited. Us. We got so psyched by our interview with Sensei Rudy about Us. his father's experience as a warrior that we're on a roll now. Us. So today we're going to interview Sensei Jay because his father was in the Pacific Theater of World War II as a Marine, I think. As a combat Marine, yes. Hi, Sensei. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. So happy to be here, right, guys? Us. Oh, us. Okay, let's get to it. So obviously my first question is, well, I don't know if it's obvious, but my first question is, do you know how your dad ended up as a Marine at that time? I do. I can only imagine why, because he was a young 17-year-old man, and he was still a student at Edison High School in Miami. And apparently he had a few buddies who were joining the Marine Corps, and a lot of them got together, and they wanted to be Marines. So as the story was told to me by both my grandparents, back then, you had to be 18 to join the military. You could go in at 17 with your parents' consent. So he started begging and pleading with a pop and granny before he turned 17, and a little while after he turned 17, and they signed his papers. Well, the Marine recruiter he had first talked to said, you get these signed and bring them back to me. And as soon as you graduate, we'll take you into the Marine Corps. So as the story goes, my dad, his friend, they were taking a couple boys who had joined the Marines to the train station in Miami to go to boot camp. Dad borrowed Papa's truck and they all went to the train station. And my dad said, well, you know, I'm going to take my signed paper because there's recruiters there. So he gets there and he walks up to the Marine recruiter and he hands him the paper and said, this will save me a trip downtown here. I've got my signed paper. The guy goes, hang on a minute. Looks at the paper, get in line, climb. <laughs> his friend had to take the truck home, told my, my grandma and grandpa what happened. And they didn't hear from my dad because he went to uh, Camp Pendleton in San Diego. So it was five or six days later before he could make a call. And they did not see him again for three years. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. That is really a wild story. And uh, uh, another part of that, that that I always found interesting, back in the old days, when you went to the movies, there was a newsreel. And back then, apparently, it was, you know, the war stories. But they were watching the newsreel, and there was a close-up of these Marines in a hole, and Dad was a mortar man the tubes that shot the small shells and it was him loading the mortar. Wow. And they were both just astounded. And afterwards they went to the manager and they sat there and he played this thing <laughs> three or four times. Isn't that nice? Isn't that's that amazing. But wow. anyway, that's how he uh, started Marine Corps, 17 years old. And wow. I, I, I want to say I'm proud and honored to be the son of a United States Marine uh, we're going to talk about him today, but I'm proud and honored of him as I am of all 
the men and women in all of the theaters of war in the Second World War. If it oh. was not for them, we would not be here right now. And all the way through today. And through today. And just a shout out, uh, Sensei Jay has a son who served in the Navy. Yes, he did. He did three tours, yes. three deployments. And that yeah. was, of course, in recent times. But on Pope Pope. Not in World War II. That is true. Okay. So after he finished boot camp, did he immediately get deployed into the Pacific Theater? Yes, he did. He was deployed and shipped out. He was in a division, a very famous division called the 1st Marine Division, and they were best known for the Battle of Guadalcanal. And Dad was in three engagements. The first was a small one called the uh, Battle of New Britain, Cape Gloucester, a very small island. And then the second one, which we will probably speak of some today, was Palau. And the third one was Okinawa. So he was in all three of those and and survived all three of those. Wow. One thing that I've I've often thought and still think about, he was 17 years old on the first island of New Britain. 17 years old when he hit the island of Palau, which was a living hell. Um, He turned 18 three days later. What a way to spend your 18th birthday. Wow. When dad hit the beach... And going up the beach, he took a piece of shrapnel that went all the way through his right calf, and he went down. And he did tell me this story, that the medics came up to him and treated him, and they said, we're going to put you on a stretcher and send you back. He said, I am not going back across that water. The Japanese had artillery hitting the beach and just blowing the landing craft out of the water. Ah. So he continued. Now, I think back when I was 17 years old, I said, are you kidding? But he wasn't the only one that was 17. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. know, That's right. The, the, the spirit these guys had. and um, I uh, think about the 17-year-olds that I know today. I mean, obviously, they're karate people. That's right. When I say these are very spirited people. You know, they have a, a strong fighting spirit. Mm-hmm. So I can understand why they were perfect for the job. It's a terrible way to say it, isn't it? It is, but you, you have to think of, the reality or the experience of what happened when the front of that landing craft opened, mm. the hell you had never experienced or what you were going to go through. It was, it had to be like a hit with a baseball bat between the eyes or something. Right. You're you just know. running on instinct at that point it's, it's, until so, it finally stops and you can take a breath and that could be hours or days. Right. 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 Hard for me to even make that picture in my mind. Right guys. It's crazy. Yes. But they were with compatriots. They had something they believed in, and nothing was going to stop those boys. Nothing. Now, in Palau, that is a very famous theater, and I believe that there's a documentary. The, the movie that came out recently, there was two of them. It was The Pacific, and the second one was Letters from Iwo Jima, which mm-hmm. showed both sides of the theater. Right. This documentary was based on the book with the old breed by Eugene Sledge. And just because you guys aren't here, he's got that copy with him. Uh, it I, looks I, pretty dog-eared since <laughs> I, I, I read it so many times. <laughs> he was with my dad's unit, the 1st Marine Division, Company K, 3rd Battalion, 5th Marine Regiment, 1st uh, Division. Wow. And um, the movie documentary chronicles Palau and Okinawa. And he and, I guess, Sledge, they got there right after Guadalcanal. 
And then the boys rested after Guadalcanal, and then they went on to Peleu. Can I just read the cover here for you real quick? It has a little blurb by Tom Hanks, and it says, E.B. Sledge, more than a legend, Sledge turned the extremes of the war in the Pacific, the terror, the camaraderie, the banal, and the extraordinary into terms we mortals can grasp. Maybe we can get that cover on the Twitter page. Oh, good I just idea. Wrote it down. And maybe we can get this in our books to read. We'll have to look through it. Would this be appropriate for all ages? No. No. Only 18 and up? Yes. So yes. do you have one specific thought of his Peleu experience that you would like to share? There was a story that you, you can actually read if, if, if you Google uh, the Battle of Peleu and, and read about the battle. And there's one called the Point, and I think the commander's name was Hunt. There was a uh, company of Marines uh, who took this and for a period of 36 hours uh, had to fight the Japanese, and the Japanese had three assaults. They were low on ammunition. At the end, it was hand-to-hand and actually throwing rocks. Wow. When they were finally uh, relieved or support came, there was 156 casualties and 18 of them walked out. And daddy was one of them. Wow. Yeah. Um, Anyway. Was the support air support? How did they get support? I I guess reinforcements came, came in. But anyway, to, you know, not speak more about the battle, but the Japanese were so well entrenched. And of course, they fought to the death. And the Japanese named that after the battle, the Emperor's Island, because they fought for the honor of the emperor. But after six to eight days, the casualties were more for the Marines than any other Pacific island. And they had to be relieved by the army. But they were just, they were decimated. And, And to give you an idea of the tenacity of the Japanese. I've got this down. With the Marines and the army that came in and, and the naval forces, our number was about 40,000. Out of that 40,000, 1,460 were killed. Hmm. The Japanese, this is astounding. On Peleu and the surrounding islands, there were 14,000 Japanese. 13,600 of them were killed. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. 400 of them surrendered at the end. Oh. So. Wow. You talk about fight to the death. Yes. And this is interesting. I, I read this this morning. Never heard this before. Now, this battle was from September to November of 1944. 26 Japanese infantrymen eight Japanese sailors and their commander held out hiding in tunnels until April of 1947 until the Japanese admiral came and convinced them to surrender. The war was over. Wow. I think we've heard stories like that. Like that, but never that particular one. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if people wanted to look up the Battle of Peleu, Landon, what would they Google? I know you did it. Us. Just Battle of Peleu, and Peleu is spelled P-E-L-I-E-U. Cool. And I, I would like to read this. This is from Eugene Sledge's book, and Sensei Michelle read the beginning. And this is the last thing he said in this book. Until the millennium arrives 
and countries cease trying to enslave others, it will be necessary to accept one's responsibilities and to be willing to make sacrifices for one's country, as my comrades did. As the troops used to say, if the country is good enough to live in, it is good enough to fight for. With privilege goes responsibility. Eugene Sledge. Nice quote. And we've heard that with privilege comes responsibility many times in our lives, although I don't think it's ever come up here on the podcast. So thanks. That gives us news, you know, ideas for the future, right? Certainly does. It makes me think of how Sensei Liam and I have a discussion ongoing that we want to do a podcast about that is this has nothing to do with war per se. He has an idea that a person should, well, I don't want to speak for him. I interpreted his words to mean that a person should take the word obligation and put the word opportunity in its place. And it changes your attitude as to how you go forward from there. It certainly does. Right? Okay. I'm going to push us on here. We should tell you, I guess, that Sensei Jay's father's name is John. What year did John come back to the U.S.? I would say in 1945. And so did he come to Florida? Uh, He was from Florida. So yes, uh, his mom and dad had a home both in Davie, Davie, Florida, and in Miami, Florida. And that's where he came home. And he came back and he finished high school. Now, I always got a kick out of this. He played football. He was a football player. And he said, you think football was tough now? (laughs) He said, we wore leather helmets. And here us kids are back from the war in combat, and we're playing football. (laughs) (laughs) I can only imagine. So he came back, and he graduated high school. Wow. And uh, got married, I guess, in 48 or 49, and had a fat, bouncing baby. That's me, born in 1950. (laughs) (laughs) We've talked with other people about reintegration and the fact that at that time, traumatic stress was not discussed in any way. So did your dad have two different lives, for example, one on the outside where he seemed to be very integrated into society and yet one on the inside that he didn't really share with people? That's what I imagine it must have been like for them. He did. My dad, he was always a Marine. They say once a Marine, always a Marine. Honor, commitment, courage. That was my dad. He didn't talk much. He was friendly. He was sociable. But my dad would have very quiet times, very inner times, and you kind of knew to stay away. Dad was haunted by dreams for years because I remember them as a kid, hearing them at night. Uh, he, he also, um, most of the, of, of the guys over there got malaria, mm-hmm. and he suffered with that for years. You know, they'd have to put ice on him when he was so hot and it, so cold. But Yeah, dad, I I can't really say I got to know my dad that well. Like I said, he was inside himself a lot. You know, he he like, I'm sure so many warriors and modern day combatants and, and back then, he left the battlefield, but the battle never left him, never Mm -hmm. left him. Yeah, that's a really good way to say it, isn't it? I think so. And, and there were so many different kinds of battles. It wasn't just the battles that he fought in the Pacific, but there were all of his own personal internal battles that he had to deal with too. Exactly. So do you feel that he used some of the tenets from being a soldier in raising his children? Absolutely. I think especially me being a son and being the oldest, 
my dad believed and practiced spare the rod, spoil the child. Well, I didn't grow up spoiled. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he must not have believed in it too firmly. <laughs> no. But my dad was, like I said, a Marine, honor, courage, commitment, keep things squared away. When my dad, for example, would say, Jay, take the garbage out. You never said, I will in a while. I'm busy. You took the garbage out. Make your bed. You went and made your bed. And it was cut and dried. You knew if you didn't, you were going to pay the price. The the saying that Sensei used to say was my dad. Say what you mean, mean what you say. Mm -hmm. And he did. And I respected him for that. You know, probably not at the time, but as I matured. Right. He had a reason for doing that, and that was his way. He couldn't help it. Yes, yeah, so I'm guessing he was a, a corporal punishment kind of guy. Oh, Barry. <laughs> My dad had really a fast right slap. <laughs> <laughs> Even when you knew it was coming, it got in. So this is a great segue into, so how did being raised by a warrior affect how you raised your kids? I think the main difference is... I don't ever remember my dad hugging me or saying, I love you, that kind of thing. And and that was maybe from his experiences that you just didn't want to get too close to someone you loved. But I am completely opposite. You know, the hugging and still my boys are grown men. I love you all the time. Now, later in my life, my dad's later years, he did say that to me that meant so much to me, but I really don't think at the time, for reasons we don't know, can only imagine, he just couldn't do it. And I think that that was one of the wounds of his experience. I can see that. Me too. So what about what you had in common with how he raised you? Was there anything that you took that you said he did this right? I did. And I I may not have realized it at the time, but it was honor and a lot of things that go under being honorable, respect, etc. Commitment. My dad was a big one. If you're going to do it, go at it hard. Don't stop. Don't give up. And courage. Don't be afraid. Try it. Do it. Do what you have to do. Maybe sometimes it's not what you want to do or never thought you'd do but do what you have to do. And, and I believe I, I instilled those values in my sons, and uh, I think I see it in my sons. And I bet you have that as well, since of Jackie from being raised by a military dad, the, the hard work ethic. Hard work. If you say you're going to do it, you're going to do it. Yes. That's insurmountable in its mm-hmm. importance to me. And, and and yet it goes all the way through karate and our bushi no ichigan. Sure. So it's, it comes from long time passing. And so find a way to get it done. Plan your work and work your plan. Did your dad have a good sense of humor? No. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe that's one of the things, sadly, that could get lost in a warrior. Yeah. If they aren't very, very careful. Right? Right. Uh, So we saved Landon. He has a question for our last question. And what do you have over there, Landon? So was there anything that your dad instilled in you that you always brought with you? in your adult life that you said, oh, this is what my dad taught me. This is how I live. I would have to say 
honor and and break make that simplify that to to teach you to know my son and 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 from honor do the right thing good one realize yes. that what you do is going to affect you in the future mm-hmm. make the right decision and respect others and don't hurt anybody yeah those are those are uh, good things to live by aren't they guys us oh, for sure and I know that we normally end with a quote. Was there ever a quote that your dad told you that you live by? Not that I live by, but here is something I would like to say to our past veterans, our future veterans, and our present veterans. The monument at Peleu says, all gave some, some gave all. And I thank you for that. Thank you, Sensei J. Oh, that's really nice. Oh, yes. And way to go, Landon. So let's finish this with, if you listen to this podcast and you think this might be an interview style that you would like, you had a relative who was in the military or who was a warrior of some sort, and you would like to tell us the story. Hey, get in touch. Yes. And we're all over the web at Wildcat Dojo. And we are at Dojo Conversations at AOL. And if you add .com to the word Wildcat Dojo, you end up at our webpage. So with that, we have to move to Honor Athletics, of course. And they're our great sponsor, and we appreciate them very much. And again, no clean segue from a tough war experience to a martial arts store. You have one? Well, no. (laughs) Okay, so you can reach them at honorathletics.com. Or 770-945-5150. And don't forget, when you're checking out, make sure you mention Wildcat Dojo for your 10% discount. And while we're asking favors, subscribe, review, and tell your friends about us. Us. Thanks for doing this, Sensei J. I hope it was pleasant. It was pleasant. And thank you for allowing me to share this. My pleasure. And with that... It's time for goodbyes. Who's going to start me out? Bye, everybody. It was an honor to learn from you, Sensei Jay. Thank you. What a great story to tell. Thank you, Sensei Jay. Yes, I love that we've started this new avenue, and I sure hope somebody yes, calls us and please says, do, please. I want to tell my whoever relative or my own story. And with that, I'm Sensei Michelle, and I'm signing off. Thanks for being here. Hope you join us again on Wildcat Dojo Conversations.